Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Africa Fintech Rising podcast. My name is Andrew Barden, and I'm the lead organizer and content director for the Africa Fintech Summit. Today, I'm joined by Eugene, co-founder and CEO of Second Stacks. Second Stacks is a Ghanaian fintech company that is building a gateway to African capital markets for institutional investment firms. Without further ado, please enjoy the conversation. Eugene, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, Andrew. Now, for our listeners who may not know exactly what Second Stacks does or know you, can you please give us a quick introduction to yourself, your role at the company, and tell us a little bit about what Second Stacks is doing? Thanks, Andrew. Uh, my name is Eugene Teria. I'm the founder and CEO for Second Stacks. Second Stacks is a technology company. We build solutions focused on um, the investment process for institutions that uh, participate in capital markets on the continent. What does all of that mean? We build software that drives their investment process, makes it available to them to be able to do cross-border trading in all of the capital markets on the continent. Uh, We started in NS two years ago, right at the beginning of COVID. Um, and a lot of it was effectively providing the, the tools, the rails that allowed um, all of the, the broker dealers, the asset managers, the, the commercial banks that do investments, the, the pension funds, to now have a way to go across the continent, look for the right type of securities that were not available in their local jurisdiction to invest in. Uh, this allowed them to have better price discovery, being able to understand what is happening in other markets and also be able to, as a consequence, drive more liquidity to these markets that have until now building. Uh, Today we are live in Ghana and Kenya and we are working through being able to launch in other markets, including um, Nigeria and uh, BRVM, which operates out of um, Ivory Coast. Okay, that's interesting. Now, with working with institutional investors, are you focusing largely on U.S. institutional investors, European institutional investors? Can you take us through that, please? So on the institutional side, we are looking at um, the investment firms primarily on the continent. Um, the idea here is in as much as the platform is available for you to trade from any location globally, the focus for us is and will always be primarily um, on the African continent. So think of your your large um, institutions, your, your Standbakes, your Absess, um, um, your your Kestrels, your data banks, they are our clients. Some of them have uh, relationships or clients from outside um, in, in the US, in the UK, um, in, in Asia, and, and this allows them to provide those tools to them. Um, I think down the line, we obviously want to look at um, tapping into that stream of, of clients ourselves. But for now, our scope is Africa, and uh, Africa is huge 
for us. So we, we have a lot to chew on before we, we start courting other investor types. All right. And I think that's a really good point. You know, one of the kind of blind spots that we've seen in recent years on the continent has been, you know, you can't, it's very hard to invest in another country. You know, it's, it's very hard for some individuals to invest and some firms to invest in this, you know, this vision of Africa, United Africa and such. Now, I'm interested, you know, one of the biggest issues on African exchanges has been low trading volume um, and such. So through your platform, what are you seeing in terms of bringing more liquidity into the markets and, you know, in some cases, bringing more justified valuations for the companies that trade on African exchanges? Sure. That's a, that's a good question. And uh, we, we expect that with Second Sacks starting to expand geographically, um, a lot of those problems will start to get solved. The, the one big um, reason we see in terms of the, the, the sort of depth and, and volumes in each of these exchanges is the fact that they are very siloed. And, and that effectively means if you are in Nairobi, um, you have visibility into what the market is doing. You probably have some news outlets and uh, relationship bankers who are telling you the story about capital markets. And so through that process, you A, know that there's opportunity for you to invest and B, uh, can put away your investable cash um, into the markets. However, more likely than not, there are other participants outside of that ecosystem. So folks in Accra looking to take part in the the the, the mobile money revolution that Safaricom has, has started. Um, they are looking to see how they tap into some of the the banking names that are doing really, really well that are not available within the Accra scope. By being able to leverage second stacks, automatically you bring another set of traders into a single market like in in Nairobi, and all of a sudden you've doubled or tripled the number of people who have interest now and are able to trade with each other. That will drive volumes. Uh, we also see this multiplying as you go across into Nigeria, into Ivory Coast, into Morocco, into Egypt, into Mauritius, into South Africa. And that is how we see that force multiplier being the one that drives um, the, the volumes. And then think of this the other way around as well. So now if you're sitting in um, Nairobi, you have visibility and access to trade in all of these other markets and and that crisscrossing that that passport and that being able to go to all of these exchanges and effectively trade with all the multiple counterparties across all of these jurisdictions then drives volume so that is what second stacks is looking to do um, I think there's also a sense that uh, because in an, uh, each of these um, exchanges, they are not able to, through that sort of local participation, make the book. Um, it's, it's possible that users elsewhere, traders elsewhere, investors elsewhere can help support that. Uh, when Second Stack started, um, this was in 2018 when we started having conversations with 
uh, uh, the, the front runners, those guys who were, were doing the roadshow for MTN's IPO at the time. MTN, as you know, is one of the big telecoms on the continent. In Ghana, as part of them getting their license, they had committed to doing a, a public float um, of their shares in Ghana. Um, they had grown by leaps and bounds, but at the time when they were looking to IPO, um, it was hard for for them to to make all of the allocations that they they had simply because a not a lot of people knew that issuance was happening at the time. This was in in the the fall of 2018, and there was sort of hurdles for you if you were outside to first find out about this timing and then also participate. Imagine a world where second stacks exists now and in real time you're able to see news and, and research about this company and then be able to invest there. There will probably be an oversubscribed IPO at that point. That is what we are looking for um, as part of where second stacks Make sense? Hey, Andrew, did you catch all of that? You can. I caught most of that. Um, I'm moving right next to my router. I don't know if it's on my end or your okay. It's getting a little. Skippy. All right. Um, so maybe let me just repeat that. What was the last thing you you heard? And by the way, the, the camera. Okay. You talking the specifically about Ghana? Of, okay. There we go. To help with the bandwidth. All right. Yeah, I turned the camera off. Okay. Help. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so let me, let me just re, re, rewind that. So um, in terms of of the the Ghana story, the, the beginnings of Second Stacks was a conversation um, when the MTN IPO was happening, right? Um, the the broker-dealer that was, was sponsoring the offering was having a hard time getting all the subscriptions based on the targets that had been given to them. And this was because, A, if you were not in Ghana, um, you effectively didn't even know about the fact that the IPO was was happening. And B, if you found out, you still had to jump through a lot of hoops to actually participate in this. So they were left with only the existing clients base, whether they were local or some of the foreign ones. And effectively, we're not able to meet that 25% um, target of the floats that they they were mandated to. And effectively, the, the, the sense we got was if we had a second stacks at that moment, then, then investors in, in, in Nairobi, in, in Lagos, in, in Casablanca, in Johannesburg, would A, have seen that this offering was happening, would have been able to allocate the capital that they had in terms of looking for new securities to invest in and would have ended up likely oversubscribing because of all the 
the the brand recognition and and the growth that MTN as a, a, a telecom company was was making across um, the the African countries that it was operating in. So so this this was sort of the the, the beginning for us in thinking, hey, we can solve that problem. We can drive more volumes into some of these IPOs as they happen. And and second stacks effectively came into being from that point. Yeah, and I think you know, on that, investing in multiple markets, you know, on different capital markets provides a unique kind of, you know, foreign exchange protection if you play it right. Um, you know, investing in one country where there's lower inflation over another, you know, that's that's becoming a big problem right now, mm-hmm. um, particularly, you know, here in countries like Egypt and Kenya and so forth. Um, now, I want to get your thoughts. You know, what is kind of the biggest challenge you see ahead uh, in capital markets for the continent? And you, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, because you tend to be siloed, you are facing the, the double whammy of the economic headwinds uh, within that particular country. So things like inflation and the debt levels um, then also affects the the value of the earnings that you you have from any assets that you have within that particular ecosystem. So in a world where in most other jurisdictions you are able to then diversify your asset pool, including the country and the currencies, then you have a way where with these markets that are cyclical. When one is doing well, you you get the benefit of that supporting some of the assets you have that are not doing quite well in other jurisdictions based on um, the the economic headwinds that are there. And we are seeing that happen um, as a consequence of the the sort of double leg of COVID happening and sort of becoming something we live with, and and more recently the geopolitical issues that have uh, come off the back of the the Russia-Ukraine war. So I think there is definitely room now um, to really provide second stacks as an an option um, in terms of being able to head some of these systemic currency risk issues that come from that concentration that you have. But more importantly, also find other sort of asset classes that that may not uh, be available locally. So, I mean, in most countries, obviously, telecom is is one of the biggest drivers of the economy, then probably your banking and financial names, and then to a certain extent, the industrials, right? So being able to have a basket of, of assets spread across various countries in these uh, um, 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 markets then allows you to really enjoy the, 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 the power of, of that compounding because now you have the, the best of breed. It doesn't have to be the one you, you, you are familiar with locally, maybe, uh, a tisalat in the, uh, 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 sort of the, Northern Africa space might be doing better than your Safari Club at home, or maybe the the Stanbic in 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 South Africa might be doing 
uh, are slightly better than the standard that's in, in Nigeria. So you have more options. You have a little bit more of that um, diversification of your portfolio. And so now you can sort of withstand some of these economic shocks that we don't have a lot of control over, but you know over time uh, the markets have, have definitely returned better if you continue to invest. So, so those possibilities are there now. Uh, we see ourselves also being able to now help, um, especially on the asset management side. So when you think of your, your typical uh, information worker, uh, you, you have a salary, a portion of that goes into pension. Pensions, by their nature, are long-term um, views. So you want to have more options where you can invest and sort of be able to withstand the, the near-term economic shocks and smoothing things over over the longer horizon. Having pension funds now with, with the mandates to invest in other countries, access uh, uh, pools of, of securities that are doing better, then allow you to know that at the time when you retire, you, you have uh, those, those commitments in terms of your, your pension payments coming out of these funds um, with, with some significant appreciation possible because of that diversification. So we see all of these as possibilities now uh, with second stacks in the mix. Now, how does your team deal with, you know, such a diverse regulatory and structural environment between the various you know, exchanges? You have your T plus two settlement exchanges, T plus three, you know, there's various levels of digitization. How do you go about working with such a variety of different structures? Right. So I think one of the things that has been uh, uh, an advantage for us is we come from backgrounds that have lived through many cycles in capital markets across the globe. And so these nuances we know well and, and know how to apply technology to effectively abstract that away from sort of that investor point of view, your, your trading and, and operations people. Within each new market, as part of our entry approach, we select a renowned um, broker dealer that serves as our, our regulatory tie-in into that ecosystem. So based off of their capacity, based off of their understanding of the market, we are able to then build the technology to meet those requirements and effectively have the fact that they can then do things around um, making sure the settlement happens. Uh, we have a place where all of the cash proceeds will, will arrive and, and be, be processed on time um, as per the rules of that particular exchange. Then effectively that builds us sort of that third arm in, in the process that ensures that once you transact, it's going to follow the rules in that country and get settled correctly. Um, there is custody services that sit um, right next to each of these exchanges, um, and they ensure that there is an independent um, view into your, your securities. So even if there is uh, uh, some need for us to move away from a particular broker, you know your assets are being... Uh, custodied correctly and you can move them to a new broker um, as part of the process. So all of these 
mechanisms that that allow us to follow the rule book uh, are taken care of uh, within each country. And then Second Stacks effectively provides that veneer on top with the aggregation. So all of this is seamless to you. So part of our work, part of our mandate is, is going in, understanding the rules of that market, finding that partner on the execution side that will effectively be your, your custodian in terms of being able to settle these transactions on time and making sure then that what you are seeing is the real-time view um, at any given point of time of your portfolio of any trades that you've been in. Um, and, and by so doing, we make that process even more seamless than um, you, you, you've, you've had it up until this point. All right. So, so your institutional investors, your customers, they engage with your platform. They, they engage with you as a platform, correct? That's correct. Uh, we, we are a SaaS platform, um, browser-based, so uh, it's, it's, it's no additional specialized um, hardware that is required. And we've, we've, we've gone with the approach of a B2B simply because they are still the trusted agents to the capital markets in each of these ecosystems. Uh, like in your case, you have a broker that you know when they become our clients, they can now provide better service to you. And in certain cases, depending on your level of sophistication, they can uh, provision access for you to actually be on the platform yourself in whether it's a, a read-only view so you have access to see what your portfolio is doing and, and how things are being executed there or actually giving you access to, to drive some of the trades yourself. So we see ourselves uh, really as the enabler for their business model. Um, however, they have set it up. We know they understand their business much, much better than we would even with uh, a lot of years under our belts. And so if they are doing well, then it means there is more transactions that are happening. They are servicing their clients well. Portfolios are growing. And we also benefit from the fact that we participate in that commission stream that is coming off of these, these transactions. So that, that is the way we are, we are set up. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know you focus on institutional investors, but I want to kind of think about retail investors for a second. Do you think there is much future for sort of a revolutionization of retail investment here on the continent? Like, for example, you know, in the United States, you saw, you know, a ton of companies, TD Ameritrade, um, you know, doing heavy, heavy digitization uh, in favor of retail investors. Do you, do you think that there's a strong future for retail investment on the continent? Yes, yes, we, we do. I think the, 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 power of the continent and its 1.2, 1.3 billion people is definitely ripe for bringing that, that type of revolution to the capital markets. Everybody is, is saving or investing to, to, to handle life events that are coming down, down the line. You think about people taking their kids to school, saving to buy a car or a house or of some large um, capital assets, people who are saving to go on vacation. Um, travel is, is back now after the COVID lockdowns have gone away and people want to, to get back into the business of seeing the world. All of this is possible because 
as everybody ends, they, they think about the fact that they need to put some of that capital away, even if it comes down to a dollar per person per day. Um, that is effectively billions of dollars that are investable. The only problem is there is not um, an efficient route to bring all of these um, allocations into the market for them to then power um, investments across the landscape. So we see we see that coming. Um, the 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 difficulty we 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 see today in doing that at scale is the fact that each of these markets is not as connected as they need to be. And so we almost think of ourselves as the, the ground floor of, of, of solving that problem. Once the infrastructure is in place where all of these capital markets are connected, then citizens of these ecosystems can now have the tools through their brokers or in, in the, the, the example you mentioned, uh, through some of the, the new investment apps like your, your bamboos and shakers and hisas and indovus to now bring this population along that can then invest on their own through the, the rails that have been built by second stacks, um, across the continent. Um, it's, it's interesting. You, you look at the power of that retail investor in many other, um, capital markets and you're right there because there was that investment in the technology. <laughs> That then allowed for that seamless transition to get the the retailer uh, uh, to have the the power of understanding what's available, being able to do some research and then invest with some conviction. We have to build all of that um, on the continent, um, and we are right at the beginning of that journey. Where as we build for the institutions, they can service the clients they already have. Uh, we can see new business models coming up where other folks who are looking fully at this retail story uh, can now use APIs that we provide to connect and provide liquidity and execution capabilities. And then in the future, we see second stacks also taking part in, in that story where there are still gaps in the ecosystem to really bridge the gap between where the retail investor is today and where the markets will be. So we see, we see that that trend uh, starting to take shape and we are effectively right at the beginning of that journey with them. All right. Now, is there a particular exchange or country that is, you know, you've been really interested in recently and you've seen, you know, significant development in the capital markets, any particular one? Um, so the, the one for us that's, that's really, um, interesting, obviously is, is Nigeria. It's a very large economy. It's just gone through an election cycle. And in as much as they have some challenges there, they also serve as the, the largest market in terms of the sheer size of the economy and people. To, to be trading with. Uh, we've, we've been working with them over the last few months, um, getting ourselves ready. And we think by turning that on, automatically the, 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 the power of that, that dynamic ecosystem 
is available at the fingertips of all of those brokerage firms that are on the Second Stacks platform. Um, we also see right behind that, um, especially within the, the francophone zone, a lot of uh, potential for new IPOs are coming coming up. Um, at the end of last year, Orange Côte d'Ivoire um, went public, um, and that was an oversubscribed offering. And based on conversations we are having with some of the brokers, there there's still a lot of demand for that. Um, so we, we see ecosystems like that where there is um, a lot of new potential IPO targets coming in, really bringing some excitement to the market. Um, everybody wants to invest in that next new thing that is going to be the growth driver. So an economy like that, which spans your Ivory Coast, your Senegal, your Burkina Faso, your Togo, all of the large Francophone West um, African countries will be interesting for us to be able to turn on here um, as part of that diversification story that we, we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Okay. Now, you may have mentioned this earlier, but what which exchanges right now are accessible through your platform and which ones can we see being added in the near future? Uh, so Ghana and Kenya um, have active trading now. We, we launched in November in tandem um, at the Ghana Stock Exchange and then the Nairobi Securities Exchange. So if you go to your broker today, you have access to both markets and they are all doing very interesting things there. Um, the next one that is uh, just waiting on final approvals uh, is Nigeria. So we expect that any, any time from now, we'll be making an announcement on that. And then, as I just mentioned, uh, with the excitement around Francophone Africa and some of the, the the new issuances that we expect will be coming from that market. We should be bringing you um, uh, that as well. Okay. Okay. Now I got, you know, kind of one more question uh, that's burning a hole in my mind right now. Um, but taxes and documentation, <laughs> um, you know, I'm a, I'm a U.S. citizen. Uh, our taxes are extremely complicated. Um and such, especially in investing. Um, how does that work, you know, for your clients, you know, investing in different currencies and different countries, you know, how, how do you manage that process? Is there a process, you know? Right. So, so we've, we've tackled it on two fronts and this again, cycles back to the need to have your institutional players uh, take a role in this. They understand the complexity. They can advise you based on on your your particular investment style and appetite, what that looks like. Um, because of our network of of large brokers in each market, we are able to boil down those those rules into digestible data points. And for every transaction, before you even get into it, we can calculate upfront all of the sort of taxes and levies and fees so you know what that outcome is going to be. Um, so that's one leg of it. And for every transaction that is checked, that is provided to you, so you have transparency and you can make the decision on how to go into it. The good thing is because of a lot of these ecosystems actually needing you to invest there, they, they try to keep these taxes and fees low. And part of our process is once you engage your, your local broker, all of the sort of K 
KYC, AML, um, all of those checks that need to happen in all the various jurisdictions through our network occur. So you have accounts that have you domiciled in, in all of these other places. Um, so you can, you can participate in the markets in a seamless way. The other leg of this whole exercise is providing access to top-notch liquidity providers who then allow you to deal with, for instance, I have Kenyan shillings, I want to buy something in Nigeria. Um, that shillings to Naira conversion happens transparently um, as part of that transaction. So you are not forced to jump through hoops looking for hard currency yourself to be able to to engage in trading in these other markets. So we've simplified the process as much as possible. We continue to iterate over that and provide uh, more options to then make that marketplace more seamless. So on the one hand, you are only dealing with your, your local broker, whichever jurisdiction you call home, that then with the network and the technology we are providing makes for a transparency into all the taxes and fees so you know how your 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 execution is going to perform before you even get into that name. And then we are also providing ways uh, through our rails and our partnerships to get you the local currency in that market so that that, that process is as painless as possible. And then obviously, because you have transparency into how these assets are doing over time. And at some stage, you want to take your your profits from, from any uh, uh, transactions you've done. Working with your broker again for those redemptions um, is, is as seamless as, as making the request and in a few days having that um, um, execution happen and the cash available to you. So, so that, is, that is our mandate. We, we are here to make all of this streamlined so you don't have to, as a... An individual as an investor have to worry about all the various jurisdictions and yours is to just invest in whichever local ecosystem you are in. So if you're in Nairobi, you're just doing everything in shillings and um, you are able to effectively be shielded away from all the complexity in all of the other jurisdictions um, because we provide you the, the transparency there. Hope that helps. Yeah, no, that's completely helpful. Um, now, out of curiosity, uh, how how do options work here? How do they how do they play into the capital markets? Do they play into the capital markets? So yes, unfortunately, options are not uh, as widespread as you would see in like a Europe or an Asia. Uh, we are looking to introduce some of that once the geographic expansion story. Um, has has taken foothold um, in in the Nairobi market. Uh, there are a few options, so your broker can help you with that to to take a, a view and and head some of your your positions that way. Um, the traditional banks have been doing swaps. Uh, they are a little more complicated, but those are available. But we see as a first step uh, bringing access to all equities bringing access to all fixed income. And because you have that inherent um, hedge in the the underlying currencies, you have a little bit of those tools in there. But then we see the possibility at that point when we have scale in sort of seven or eight of these large 
capital markets trading centers, then uh, we can work with the securities dealers to to build more futures and options into the the ecosystem, where then you can hedge against certain other types of risks that that are inherent in going to to multiple markets um, as you're going to be doing today. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I got one last question for you. Um, this is a question I typically ask all of my guests. Um, but, you know, for a student who's interested in building a career in capital markets, investment, trading, what advice would you give them? Um, as a student, you, you, you always want to look at those, those processes, those, those, um, 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 ideas that are driving the economy. I think capital markets um, in any developed uh, um, country has really been a, a very good proxy for what the local economy is doing. So if the capital markets are growing, then chances are certain sectors or many sectors in that country actually doing well. So you have that that tight correlation happening. On the continent, unfortunately, there's a little bit of a disjoint. Um, some of it is due to the fact that we still have these economies being driven by a lot of the political mandates that we, we tend to see. Uh, the government being the largest employer, having access to most of the capital resources and, and making certain decisions around where to allocate them. But you see also a burgeoning um, private sector. Um, there's been lots of news about um, startups that have raised billions of dollars over the last two, three years that are solving for some of those those basic needs around food, clothing, shelter, um, health, and, and uh, uh, financial inclusion. And all of these um, have to, in some way, uh, be exited so that these, these um, investors that are powering them now in the private markets can recoup that investment. So I think second stacks as a, as a, as a tool um, definitely is is bringing some more cohesion in there. We have a, a news feed that is tracking all of this economic information and presenting it into a format that is easily digestible uh, because of our network of broker dealers that have uh, research arms. There is a, a deep knowledge pool of research about sectors, about uh, uh, companies, about certain macroeconomic indicators that all then provide you, the student, the opportunity to learn, um, start to spot trends, uh, be able to then make a decision on, on becoming an investor or more so working for one of these uh, institutions that is effectively the gatekeeper of the capital market. So I think at the core of it is, is access to data. We are organizing that for for it to be available to everyone who has a genuine interest and we make for uh through that network an opportunity to come to us come to our uh, our clients and be able to 
really uh, participate uh, uh, interface with these markets and 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 get a better understanding of of where they are going. And we hope through the the whole exercise, then on the continent as well, we start to see our capital markets really model and follow the economics of the day. And so you have a way to sort of see that the the businesses that are driving the economy being accessible as investment options, and you have a a more dynamic economy overall, uh, meeting those growth promises that we've always seen and had for, for the African continent. Okay, well, thank you so much, Eugene. I think that's some great advice. Um, and I look forward to seeing all that Second Stacks does here in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks again for having me on and, and look forward to speaking again soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't hesitate to hit the subscribe button as every few weeks we have a new episode. Again, My guest today was Eugene, co-founder and CEO of the Accra Ghana headquartered Second Stacks. Have a great rest of your day.